Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Okay, I figured out how to start this one. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, it's crazy idea. I want you to follow me with this one, though, okay? Are you mm-hmm. following me? No, I'm with you. You're in my step footsteps? Yep. All right. We're going to start by saying, I know this is nuts, who we are. Oh. Right from the start. I am a human being. I am a human being, too. I am a woman. I'm with you so far. Brown hair, blue eyes? Yeah. This is good. <laughs> I'm liking this. We have a lot in common. I'm young and beautiful. Okay, there it ends. Okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. It was so good. It was so, so briefly. Well, what's your name, young woman? I am Kate. And I am Betsy. And this is our podcast where we talk about children's books and whether they're any good or not. And, well, I have a very exciting news for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what today is? Nope. It's a very special day. It's very special episode day! Okay, so you know how people ask us to do certain books and... And I say I'm going to save that for a very special episode. Well, today's the day! Cool! For one of our specialist books. Okay. One of those books that tons of people have asked us to do, and we just haven't gotten around to. And today's the day! I can only think of one book that that would be. Yes, alright, so um, listeners have a lot, not to pressure you out or anything, but they have a lot writing on this on the opinions of this piece today. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Are you ready. ready for this book? Bring it on. Alright, drum roll please. The book that I am pulling out of my bag is... <laughs> Love You Forever! By... Robert Munch? Let's say yes. Okay. Robert Munch! And it's... So have you ever read this book? No. Okay. I've heard of it, and mm-hmm. I know you hate it, but I've never read it. Oh, you've given away the game. But <laughs> actually, that's not much of a game to give away. So gentle, gentle listeners... If you don't want to hear somebody uh, talk in a, let's say, a negative light of this book, uh, perhaps now would be the time to skip to a different podcast. But uh, for those of you uh, interested, I'm going to hand Kate the book right now. She's going to take that book in another room. She's going to read that puppy up. We're going to talk about things. You are already looking at that with a look of incomprehensible... What is this? What is that supposed to be? Uh, well, this is a Canadian book, so I'm going to assume that's a Canadian... Maybe that's like hair pomade or something? Yes, we're uh, going to say pomade. And then there's a bottle of liquor in the corner. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a hot water bottle, but we're going to say it's a bottle of liquor because that's the kind of game we're going to play here. That's totally yep. vodka. Okay, Okay. Go. All right, go drink your vodka book. For those of you interested in the quiz question, which is probably, I'd say, 30% of you, I think the remaining percent, you know that little skip 15 button you can press when, you want, when you're listening to a podcast? I suspect many of you have used that in a tried and true fashion. But for those of you who don't uh, and would actually like to hear this part, uh, last week's quiz question uh, was wrong, and yet none of you called me on it. People, people, why do you trust me? 
I'm an untrustworthy human being. Like you, I have flaws. And uh, one of my flaws is that sometimes I'm too darn lazy to look up something. And none of you called me this. Even as I said the answer to uh, last week's quiz question, I knew it was wrong. I said that the last black and white book to win a Caldecott Award was Kitten's First Full Moon. That sounds true. That sounds quite right. And yet no one pointed out the invention of Hugo Cabret by Brian Selznick? Oh, ho, ho, ho. I caught that one. So you see, eventually all flaws are caught because I catch them in the end. How sad is that? Um, for last week's question, I asked what movie, uh, in part, inspired Peter Brown that we did not mention. That would be uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, had a, quite a bit of influence on Creepy Carrots there. So check that one out. That's a fun one. This week, uh, no quiz question. No quiz question, because we're going to talk about every possible aspect of this book, and I did not want to hold back. So if you just want to write me and tell me, Betsy, you're still wrong, Hugo Cabret was not the last black and white Caldecott Cup winner. I'm pretty sure it was. Like at 95%. 95.2%. But if you think I'm wrong, uh, give me a little email there at fusekdate at gmail.com. And we're back. Um, you know what, Kate? Before you even say a word, I just want to tell you one fact. This book has sold 30 million copies. There are, in the world today, somewhere, 30 million copies of this book available. In landfills? One can hope. <laughs> okay. But, oh, I'm sorry, but we're getting, like, way, 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 way ahead of ourselves. Um, I would like you to tell the good people what this book is about. And it seemed to me, after much consideration... The only voice that would be appropriate uh, would be, you know, the voice of Igor in uh, in like the Frankenstein movies, like eh, eh, Master. That one. Uh huh. Can you do that? I can try. Alrighty then. Seems appropriate. Love You Forever is the story of a mother and her son throughout the course of the boy's life, describing his exasperating behavior throughout his youth. In spite of the aggravation caused by her son's behavior, the mother visits his bedroom every night to cradle him in her arms and sing a lullaby promising to love him forever. She continues to do this even when he's a grown man and has moved out of the house. Eventually, when she is old and sick, he picks her up and sings her the same song. He then goes home and sings it to his own child. That may have been showing our hand a little, but uh, let's keep an open mind, shall we? Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts going into this book? This book that you knew nothing about going in. I wish I still knew nothing yeah. about it. You know, now you can't unsee what you have seen. Those were... Wonderful days. Yeah. There's thought, a there's th a moment where it's like before and after you've read Love You Forever. I thought you were being a little dramatic about how much you hated it. Yeah. But I was I'm I'm happy to say I was wrong. I'm happy to say that you were happy. Because <laughs> there was a chance. There was a teeny teeny tiny little chance that maybe you would have found this touching. I will say two parts. This is fair. Two parts that I found touching. Okay, very good. The very, very first page. Yeah. When she's singing this song to her newborn child. That is adorable. With her ferret-like cat. Yep. I, what the heck is that animal? That ain't a cat. 
No, it kind of looks like a ferret and a rat. Ferrets don't have arms or, yeah, legs that long. It's like if you bred a cat with a ferret, you'd get a but carrot. But here's the thing. No. This cat exists until the son is at least a teenager. Okay, this, well, so that sounds right. So this should be a kitten, but it, it's not. That looks like That looks like a cat. A cat. Well, yeah. but the cats, let's see, they, they, they grow pretty quickly. I mean, you could say that's a one-year-old cat, possibly. Yeah, maybe. So do people sing this when they read this Apparently book? so. Now, I have never heard the tune. I believe if you search on YouTube, you can find Robert Munch himself singing a tune to this. But I admittedly, in my research, I probably should have listened to that, and then I failed to do so. But we will provide a link in the show notes if anyone would like to hear it. Um... Yes. I'm sure it's it's a sweet lullaby. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading it, I was like, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be... <laughs> Whoa, suddenly I like this book a lot more. It's not really... It would not put a baby to sleep at all. <laughs> like, no. My little baby. But I... I love you forever. <laughs> Um, we have just improved this book by 50%. Well done. Maybe we can improve the whole thing if we keep going. So Sorry, ferret cat. So, right. So, this is something that disturbs me in the mm. writing. Every time the kid grows up, yep. it says, he grew until he was blank years old. Right. And then I think the next part is going to be, <laughs> yes. and then he died. Well, yes. <laughs> because, I mean, like... Because there's not a great uh, moment in his life that is st- stops on a dime when he reaches this age. I mean, these are just normal little moments in a kid's life. But yeah, that is a disturbing way of phrasing it. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And also, uh, it says here, it's his mother's watch. Yeah, all right. I'll, yeah. I'll buy that. Um, uh, because who knows where the dad is? Oh, yeah. No, we have no idea. We have no idea where the dad is. The dad is not present in this book. I, mean, I hadn't even thought about the dad until, like, yeah. There is shaving cream, but it could be hers. It could easily be hers. There's no evidence of a man in this home. But, yeah, I like how the cat is relishing in this toilet okay, paper. Okay, I thought that was a bath toy. No, it's, and it's, you're it's, right. It's that is legs. Its little, legs have suddenly shrunken from that previous, but I guess that's a cat. Okay. Yeah. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt there. Um, here's, okay. Mm, yeah, here we go. So, the mom mm-hmm. has this habit yeah. of not walking into a room, but crawling on her hands and knees. All right, so I am a, uh, am a mom. Uh, and, you know, you when you're a new mom, I'm going to grant you, to a certain extent, there are nights where you're like, is the baby still breathing? Mm-hmm. And then you want to get in there. Now, maybe it's just because I have a creaky home. But I have found that, uh, yeah, if you crawled, it do it does you no good. It, it, you're actually much louder crawling than, say, tiptoeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure I why she has chosen to do this, but she has. But I do like that when the... I think this is set in the 50s. Well, I would have said that except for this picture seems to show a very modern Ikea-esque changing table on the side. I don't know. They would have looked like that it, back no, then. Well, no, because back then, it kind of, to me, it could be a bar cart. Right. And they totally It does look like a bar cart. Yeah. Yeah. And and you look at the toy car that's on the, yep. on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the wallpaper and... Well, her dress. Yeah. She's got a gathered waist. 
and the little belt. And yeah, it looks her hair too. To so she crawls into these rooms. She does. On her hands and knees. Like a tiger. Looks up over the side of the bed. Mm-hmm. The cat's saying, what are you doing? And then she... Who puts a cat in a room with a sleeping child? That cat's going to wake that child up. The cat is attached to this kid. All right. Like, when the kid gets older... Yeah, the cat's still there. And then when the kid becomes a teen... So there's... Oh, the, there's the little cat. The, yep. As a nine-year-old, uh-huh. the cat is sleeping next to the boy. Yeah. Oh, and then when the kid's yeah. a teenager, there's the cat again. Yep. Um, Holding its ears, actually, if you'll notice. It is covering its ears so that the... Bad singing on the part of the teenage boy, who I guess is doing an Elvis imitation, uh, will not get to it. I don't know. I mean, it kind of looks like this is supposed to be 80s. Maybe. But look at those shoes. I don't know. He's wearing penny loafers, so yeah. I guess sort of worn. But I, he's doing like a pompadour. A rock, I don't know. But a record player. There's a record player. That was... So maybe... maybe well, but there were records. Some record players. In the 80s, you could... Yeah, you still had record players. I mean, so. if, if this is supposed... If he was supposed to be born in, let's say, you know 1950... What? This sweater... He would be... This would be 1965. Yeah. The sweater on his friend, who is upside down talking on the phone, because that's what teenagers do, as Bye Bye Birdie has taught us, uh, that would indicate 80s to me. That is the 80-est sweater so then, with but, the high tops. Yeah. So then he wasn't born in the 50s. No, he wouldn't have been. He would have been born in the, what, 70s? Yeah, like, let's say 1970. 70 was, the 70s were obsessed with the 50s, so I'm, gonna, I'm willing to believe he was born in the 70s. Okay. Sure. Still. Okay, the cat has, like, no discernible neck. It's just, like, it goes from the nose <laughs> to the chest, and it's just a straight line. That's why I think it's like a ferret. Yeah. But this cat must be, like, what? I don't know, 17 This could years be old another now. cat. They could just really have a thing well, no, for no, gray striped no. cats. I'll, I'll get to another oh. cat. Oh, wait. Whoa. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So, but let's not forget. Let's not let's not go over the point. Wait a minute. There's a computer on the kid's desk. So it's totally 80s. Late, that, late that's 80s. 90s, man. No, look at that could, computer. No, the first computer came out in, what, 1970? Yeah, but they didn't look so. like that. That computer... That could totally be a Commodore 64. Oh, maybe. But no, but, so yeah, Commodore 64s had detached... Yeah. They, they were not connected a there's single like a, unit with a... Yeah, there's a there should I'm be thinking a, this is late 80s, okay, because yeah. in late 80s you did have um, this type of computer with the keyboard attached to the screen. Okay. But she still goes into his bedroom... Still crawling. Picks up a 15-year-old man, almost. Heck of your, on and, your back. Uh, Bad back he's idea. He's got to be, what, like, one at least 125, right? Oh, easy. Easy. And how is he not going to wake up? And he's a teenager. He's going to yeah. be like, Mom, what are you doing? To be fair, teenagers Could sleep very deep. And if he ate all that pizza from the previous scene, maybe she drugged him. Maybe she drugged him. I think, I think yeah, she would be, have to drug him. She's got to be drugging him his entire life. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're right. All right. So, so now the teenager has become a man. And he God. somehow has a, a job because he bought a house. Mm-hmm. So he's been living with his mom until he bought a house of his own. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. So at this point, I think... Are cat- we to assume that this woman is his wife? There is a woman helping him move oh, in. Oh, maybe. And she is not wearing the standard That's red cap true. and red shirt of the movers. Uh, so she, this indicates yeah. she may... Be, so one at some point, this is not important to the mother, by the way, because this is her narrative. We're seeing this entirely through her eyes. She never mentions he gets married. So I am assuming she does not have a great relationship with his daughter-in-law. Well, if she's obsessed with her son as much as she is, no, no woman is going to be good enough for her son. Precisely. But, uh, ah, my favorite Hitchcock moment. So this is for me the moment where this book takes a sharp 
right turn from, okay, I could believe this was a sentimental favorite classic thing, to this is a Hitchcock film. And we have just crossed over into that. You know that moment in like a horror film when like everything seems normal and then you just, there's that twist and you're like, whoa, everything's not normal. This is the moment when the car has the extension ladder roped to the to the roof. And she drives over. Yeah. She looks like she's got to be at least in her 50s. I mean, yeah. she's at least in her 50s. Mm-hmm. Probably 60s. Sure. And notice the little kitten now. Oh, there is a kitten desperately trying to get out of this room because something weird's going on. Yes, the mother has... <laughs> so, uh, she, wait, I would I, like to point out, um, first of all, TV listings on the ground. That's adorable. Um, but also, this is a bed made for one. Interesting. As a single bed. So, either he and, I'm going to say wifey, are having marital problems... Maybe or, maybe he snores and uh, she sleeps in another room. There you go. Yeah. Or maybe his mother deviated his septum so he would sleep alone. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Or we have maybe no evidence to suggest his wife left him because he has an unhealthy relationship with his mother. Well, we I, we can't, that can't be the case yet um, because we haven't gotten to the point where. Well, I don't know if she does this like every night. Oh no no I'm not saying the wife doesn't have just cause. I'm also saying. This is a mother-in-law. Why isn't she going through the front door? No, she's preferring to do this in a sneaky way with a ladder. In heels. In heels. She is wearing pants, I think. It's hard to tell, but they're a little bloomy, but I think those are pants. So obviously she's doing this so she will not be seen doing this. She knows this is wrong. Nobody climbs in somebody's window thinking that's the right thing to do. When we head outside over there, the goblins didn't, like, knock on the door and say, hey, we've got a nice changeling baby and we're going to switch it out for your little sister. No, they came through a window. Like, the Lindbergh baby went out the window. Exactly. (laughs) It's the same thing. Nobody goes in and out of a window if they're on the up and up. Yeah. And, look, well, the kitten has grown up to a cat now, right? Mm -hmm. So we must have had at least... He's cooking a delicious dinner with some some mushrooms there. There's two coffee cups suggesting Mm. he is still married. He's not wearing a ring. But well, maybe what well, he could have gotten divorced. He could have gotten divorced and had just someone come over for the night. That's true. You know, that's true. Or maybe he drinks a lot of coffee during the day. But he gets like this call his from his mother saying, "You better come see me because I'm very old and sick." So her son came to see her. Really? Like, does he not <laughs> talk to her and, and see her not. every single night so that I? Nope. So then he goes over to see her. Um, she's not in a hospital. She's, no, she appears to be in her home. She's in her bedroom. Yep. And he comes over and picks her up mm-hmm. and sits in a rocking chair. This is the moment when many people cry. This is the moment when people go like very weepy. I'm just gonna say, uh-huh. even though he seems to have lost his right foot, but <laughs> no idea where it went. Perhaps there was a terrible accident. We again, we're not getting the full story here, but yeah. So, so he sings the song he to does. her. And, uh, yeah. And then presumably. As, and he still calls her mommy. Sure does. Not mother. Not, a good not grown even man. mom. No mom would be perfectly legitimate. No mommy. Mommy. Mm-hmm. As I mean, long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. Yes, you are indeed. a grown ass man. Yeah. And then he comes home. Oh, here it comes. And he stands at the top of the stairs thinking about his disturbing actions. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm. He continues the cycle. Oh, it's the worst moment. I thought when this he was, picks that baby up, you're like, other... no! 
Now, and it's his daughter, right? Yeah, it's his daughter. Oh, this makes it worse somehow. Yeah, and this was the other moment which I was like, oh, this could be sweet if the book started with this page. Right. Just like when it started with the mother and the yeah. newborn. Yeah, like if it started by saying he was telling her this story about his mother, and then you had a flashback and that was the rest of the book, that would be significantly less creepy. Well, I don't know. If the flashback still involved the mother doing it when he's a grown-ass oh, no, no, man. No. I'm not saying it would <laughs> withdraw all creepy factors. I'm just saying it would be... See, this is what's so weird because I feel like this book is so much in her point of view and now she's dead. And now it's like whatever spirit was in her that made her do this is now in him. And it's just... Oh! Yeah, but when I read that he was doing this to his daughter, yeah. I said, No! no! <laughs> Why? Why? But Why would you do that? The bear from when he's a little kid. Yeah. He's on the dresser. I'll be darned. I yeah. will be darned. He passed down his stuffed bear. Yeah, he's going to be passing down a lot more than that. All right. Yeah. Lots, you. Of, lots of therapy. Lots of therapy. Issues. I like, uh, by the way, the fact that he is graying uh, at the temples, much as uh, superheroes, when they are uh, slightly gray, they gray in the exact same place, and uh, in comics in general, I'd say. And me too. Your uh, your Rex Morgans. Yeah. Oh, I actually, I actually have one too. Yeah. yeah. Rex Morgans. Your 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 uh, Mr. Fantastics. They all they all gray in the same way. So big fan. That's you. Oh my That's gosh. Big time fan. This has so many issues. <laughs> I don't. I. I. I, 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 I <laughs> how do people? read this okay. and think it's normal behavior. So I, I, I should, so I'm going to play devil's advocate for the book for a little bit here. Um, which is a strange position to be in. Uh, I believe that when many women, like myself, uh, give birth, they go a little crazy in the headspace when it comes to kids' books. And they're given this. Is it because of the, the sleep deprivation? Is that it? It's not that. You get all these chemicals, and they just go in your brain, and you're like, baby! And then anything, like, makes you cry. Like, anything makes you cry. And so even, so you read this at the, because they give it to you at your damn baby shower, and then they're like, read it, read it! And so you read it to yourself, and then for whatever reason, it's like when you watch a bad movie, and it makes the music swell, and it makes you cry, but you don't want to cry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like that. If anyone gave this book to me at a baby shower, I would say i'm i don't want to be friends with you yeah i want you out of my life i want you to see a therapist so uh would you like this more if it had different art no <laughs> I love that wasn't even a consideration <laughs> no that's not the problem it's not the issue i mean the art's fine yeah the problem is mr munch the problem the problem is this mother did the mother maybe this happened to the mother Mm -hmm. maybe oh, quite her, certain. Maybe that her father yes, did yes. this to her. No, it's a cycle. And then she didn't have a daughter, so she did it to her son. There's a reason we never see the spouses, except possibly that woman who's... And she could just be a neighbor. <laughs> but somebody... There, we see no spouses of anyone in this book, because that's not the point. Um, so the uh, Huffington Post called it uh, Love You Forever, a.k.a. the scariest mother-in-law in history. <laughs> Uh, Pop Sugar called it helicopter parenting gone bad. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, oh, I hesitate. No, you know, I'm not going to bring it up until the end. Um, but Robert Munch, I will just say for, at this point, uh, are you familiar with the paper bag princess at all? No. Okay. 
We'll save that for a future episode. That's he's he also wrote he wrote a ton of books. He's Canadian. He's written like a million books. None of them like this. Not even not even close. And there's a reason for that, but I'm going to get to that. Is he um, still alive? Oh yeah. Is he still writing books? Oh yeah, and they are not bad books. Okay, Paperback Princess, one of the finest earliest feminist picture books of all time. Um, which is why this is quite an aberration. Um, this book, by the way, uh, let's talk about it in pop culture here. It was uh, prominently featured on a Friends episode. Really? Uh, the one with the cake. Uh, in this episode, Joey pre- performs a dramatic reading of the book at <laughs> Emma's first birthday, moving everyone to tears. Everyone to tears, I tell you. Everyone. Inspired by this, Joey decides to recite the book as a dramatic monologue at an audition. Oh, no. One can only assume he does not get the part. But that really gave it a kick in the pants and, and helped its sales when that happened. Uh, it was fourth on the 2001 Publishers Weekly all-time best-selling children's books list. Uh, let's see. Maria Shriver wrote in the O, the Oprah magazine, quote, I have yet to read this book through without crying. It says so much about the circle of life, youth, parenting, and our responsibility for our parents as we grow older. The message is so simple and yet so profound. I'll agree with her that it's a simple message. Uh, don't do this. Don't do this. No. Unless you want to screw up your child yes, for the rest of Yes, this is life. how you screw up children. Yes. Um, and of course, everyone will be like, well, you're not supposed to take it literally. Yes, how you can you not? How can you it? not? She literally picks up a 30-year-old <gasps> man from his bed. It seemed like a good thing. Now, you might think, back in 2001, I said, P.W. said it was on the all-time best-selling children's books. Surely things have changed since then. Um, I will tell you that this very year, they released the pop-up version. So now you can make them rock back and forth <gasps> in the book. And I presume that the extension ladder just pops right out of that puppy and hits you in the nose like, ha ha ha! Oh, I'm going my to my son's house. Gosh, you, I have not yet had the pleasure of seeing this pop up book. Why myself. didn't we read this during October? This would have been like okay. the perfect scary Fine. book. Fine, I'm kicking myself. <laughs> this actually, now you mention it, would have been an ideal scary book. Well, Colin, consider this sort of the capper. It sort of like puts them all together here. Now, um, oh, okay, I'm gonna have to. Ugh. No, I'm, gonna, I'm still gonna save it. I'm still gonna save it. All right. So we haven't done one of those uh, Toast uh, Children's Books Made Horrific series. You remember those? Yeah. Yeah, they've done a lot of books. They did this one. And honestly, it really doesn't, as we are to say, does not take much to make this book creepy. Um, It really just takes the slightest little nudge in any direction. What Mallory Ortberg had to do with her story for this was actually not to take it too far. Uh, And it's so tricky. And so... I, it's long, and I didn't want to do the whole thing. So I have a selection here. Um, I took a bit of it, and you can read it, Kate. I did not do the beginning, because the beginning really freaked me out. <laughs> and I, So I didn't do that, but I've done, I've done some other, uh, another portion of it that I think really captures the problems that we have been talking about with this book so well. Okay. She would pick him up and rock him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes she rocked him very tightly and it made his headache. You don't have a headache, she told him. I know what pain is like when I gave birth to you. You don't know what pain is like. He thought he knew what pain was like, but his mother knew that he didn't. 
His mother knew everything that he knew. I used myself to make you, she told him. There is no part of you that did not come from me, that does not belong to me. I am more you than you are. When she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll have you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. I'll always be living, she told him. I can't die. I'm your mother. Mothers can't die. You'll grow up and be an old man and I'll still be here. I'll still be your mother. And as long as I'm living, I'll be bigger than you. She always was. Okay, um, I have saved this part for the end of this discussion because this is, uh, there is a defense of this book that is not funny, um, that people make for this book because the inspiration for this book was very sad. And I'm saving to the end because it's hard in the context of talking about how just screwed up this book is. I don't think this is a legitimate defense of the book, but I do think it's something that you have to know if you're going to talk about this book. Um, and it's the reason why he wrote it. Uh, so Robert Munch in 19, I believe 1979 and 1981, um, he and his wife had two stillborn kids. And he wrote this book after that happened because he just wanted to hold his kids. And so there are many articles out there where people will say, I thought that this book was weird, I didn't like it, then I learned this fact and it changed my mind about the book. Now, I don't think that the defense that, uh, this is so tricky. I don't think learning more about the background behind a book should affect how the book gets you when you just read it. There's, there's no note in this book saying that that is the case. Um, and I think it's, it's far too sentimental and it's far too creepy in how it does it. So that opening with the mom and the baby is very touching. Oh, it is in the book. You're right. Well, it's on the no, dedication no, no, page. These, I well, think, wait, no, no. I think these wait are Wait a his... minute. No. Okay. Well, but they may be there. I, I mean, mean, he, he said, yeah. there's qu it's quite a dedication page. It's, it's very long. To Ann Munch and Andrew, Julie, Taya, Sam, and Gilly Munch, and to my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So maybe. And then gives the years for the mom so and dad. So maybe those two stillborns are two of these names. Maybe two of the names. Between Anne, Andrew, Julie. That, maybe that's his wife, and then these oh, are yeah. his five kids. Maybe. And two of them were stillborns. Maybe that's the case. It's really hard to say, but you actually cannot talk about this book without bringing that up. And so I did feel that you have to bring it up, but I do not feel that that makes the book good. Um, it makes you understand why the book was written. It does not make me understand why the book was written the way it was, necessarily. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I think... Uh, I understand maybe why he wrote it, mm -hmm. and that's awfully sad. Yes. Um, maybe he... Did he ever write a book addressing specifically how to handle that. I don't think he has. No. And that's a very important book that I have never seen. So there's I have never seen... been a book about having a stillborn. Well, I'm not going to say there never a... has because there's certainly plenty of self-published or really small prints, but of, of different books. 
the closest thing I've ever seen is what to do when your baby or sister is like a preemie and is very sick. But I have never seen, and maybe I'm just blocking it out, but personally I have never seen one about, yeah, what happens when mommy's pregnant and then loses the baby. It's a really hard thing for a lot of kids to work through. Maybe that is the book that should have been written. Yeah. Not this. I agree. I agree, because we need that book desperately. And we don't need this book. Oh, I don't. No. I don't need this book. No. Oh, which brings us to ratings time. Uh, ratings time. All right. So, tricky question, actually, on a scale of 1 to 10. Can I start? Sure. Okay, because I'm going with 2, and here's why. While the book is dislikable, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't do harm. All right. I would say that this book does not actually do harm. Freaks people out, maybe. And can you imagine reading this to a child? Uh, no. No, I, it's I not wouldn't. for children. Yeah. This is this, There's nothing in this for kids. This is a picture book for adults, which is a very popular uh, genre, as it happens. Um, but this, I even though it, you know, it's in kept in children's sections. I would say it's not for kids. Did it, you ever read this to your kids? Oh, God, no. Why would I? Why would I read this because to I'd my kids? Because I'd be curious to see how kids react Honestly, to it. Honestly, tonight, um, I told, you know, my son was looking for the book because I always bring home a book from work. And I said, look in my bag. And then I had this moment of like, oh, wait, oh, no, this book is in my bag, too. Um, but he did not. Either he saw it and was like, Bleh. or he just did not see it at all. Uh, it is a rather small book. Oh, by the way. Another defense of the book is that, oh, you just don't like it for the pictures. The Canadian version has a different illustrator. Uh, so that is interesting to me. But the pop-up book, I believe, uh, is done in the style of Sheila McGraw, the illustrator who, I'm going to presume, retired shortly after the publication on the millions of gillions of dollars that this thing has made. Um, she needs to learn how to draw cats. <laughs> they're very <laughs> smooth and Ferret-like. They are ferrets. They are very ferrets. I'm just going to call them carrots. <laughs> or kitty carrots, maybe. I don't know. One of the two. Uh, yeah. You can call them carrots or fats. <laughs> fats. I want to call them fats. Because they're not. They're very sleek. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm giving it a two because it didn't manage to work in any racism at all. It wasn't even trying. <laughs> Where's the racism? Anyway. And yourself? So, the only book I've given a one so far mm. has been um, the Berenstain Bears and the Bully. Oh, that's right. Where that, that actually could do active harm, actually. How the parents handle that situation with the bullying. Well, I think. Or lack thereof. I think this could cause harm to the child psychologically. <laughs> Um, if, if a child thinks, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Oh, my mom is supposed to creep into my room at night and she's supposed to hold me. Right. She's supposed to hold me for my entire life. Right. Why hasn't my, I'm 33 years old. Why hasn't my mother held me? <laughs> what is, you know, I, I, I don't think it sends a good message. Oh. I don't agree with what the mother does, especially sneaking into her son's well, room. Well, no, I agree. Um, but I don't, I don't like that it's does. passed down from generation to generation. Oh, that's just the, so wrong. So I'm giving it a one. All right. All right. So it does offend you. I really don't like the repercussions that is going to happen to this family from generation no, to generation. No, I worry for that daughter. I worry Absolutely. very much for that daughter. And because all I can hope is that 
the mom takes that daughter and runs away from this relationship because, yeah, there is a, I'll just mention this briefly, there is a, um, there is a YA novel, the most bizarre YA novel I've ever read, uh, and that's saying something, called Love Curse of the Rumbaws by Jack Gantos, in which there is this weird possessive love that, um, is passed down, uh, to children in this family, and this girl gets it. And just, it reminded me of this. It would be a really good companion, actually. Love You Forever and Love Curse of the Rumbaws. Buy them together, folks. Give them a baby showers. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. All right. Grown-up things we like that aren't this. Go! Oh, wait, so... It... Oh, I think it's... So you, I said two, you said one. So I think it's fair to say... Yeah. Not, not a, a classic. classic. Not, not a classic. Not a classic. Yay. Not a classic. Bye-bye. Can we... Wait. Just, oh, just, oh. just one last time. Sure. I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. 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 I just had to get that out of my system. All right. Okay, so now much better we now. Can do. Now it's so much better. Now we can do grown up now things. Now we, we like. can do grown up things we like. I okay. like that. <laughs> but it's not my thing. But what what do you got? What do you got? So the very first book that I read that I liked that I can remember. What, children's book? No. Oh. Just at like going out and actually reading a book oh. without being told by a teacher right, or a parent or a librarian or whoever. Right. Like just going out, finding a book, reading it and actually enjoying it was Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Oh, I loved Agatha Christie. Yeah. So that I read kind a of ton of those. That explains my little demented vibe. Okay, but um, I'm just going to say real quick, our grandmother, our grandma Hattie, big Agatha Christie fan. Oh. Had tons of paperbacks of Agatha Christie. Moving on. Well, the movie um, Murder on the Orient Express <laughs> is coming out. It is. It's maybe one of my favorite trailers of all time. And I haven't read the book so i so you don't know anything about this movie or well book. i am halfway through the book right now i bought it two days ago <laughs> i'm halfway through and i'm really looking forward to reading the book and comparing how it goes to the movie and seeing my ideas of how the characters look versus who they cast wow so yeah there is okay so i used to watch the urku um series oh, yeah. the mystery series yeah. you know played by david Suchet, who was the greatest urku of all time last i checked it was still on netflix okay highly recommend it because it was super fun it was super fun do, 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 yeah do, 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 and sometimes it begins with like the edward gory like mystery thing so good and then it was like that saxophone that kind of came in like oh, remember yeah. it's the 90s <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so good and so yeah the that trailer played for murder on the orient express and it takes you because it doesn't say what it is for a while and you're kind of like wow this looks a lot like murder on the orient express and then slowly you're like I think this is Murder on the Orient Express. And then, of course, you're like, oh, who's going to play Urku Poirot? And then it's it like, Kenneth Brown. He turns around with this walrus mustache that they must have dug out of a bin somewhere and just glued to his face. After David Suchet, I, I was ruined for mustaches. So Yeah, he was the best Poirot. Yeah. So but I would be... not mind seeing that movie. That movie looks like yeah. fun. I, so I'm looking forward to finishing the book and then seeing the movie when it comes All out. All right. That is awesome. Yeah. 
So my grown-up thing, I like, I'm kind of cheating a little bit, um, but I like it as a grown-up now, so I think it's okay. Uh, but it is admittedly a throwback to a certain extent. Um, so I went to New York this past weekend uh, to moderate a panel uh, of funny people at Bookfest at the Bank Street College of Education, which was lovely, and uh, was hanging out with my friend, uh, Allie Jane Bruce, who we got to talking, as one does, about uh, an old TV show called Square One. Do you do you have any recollection of Square One? Nope. This is one of the, see, this is the problem with us being six years apart. I think we just completely like, here, here's, here's what you might remember. Do you remember MathNet? Nope. Oh boy, we had those on recorded VHS tape. You didn't see any of those? Okay. Nope. All right, it was a math PBS show, live action. That's exactly why I don't remember it. Then. Oh, see. Because the word math is See, though, yeah, it no. was grand and great and funny and very clever. And I still sing many of the songs to this day, like probability, don't you mess with me. Ah, nothing. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Ellie sings the same songs, like Archimedes. Anyway, so she was like, oh, it's on YouTube. Of course it is. And uh, so we spent some time, uh, particularly with the Roman numeral song, which may be why I know my Roman numerals. Very pleased. So, folks, square one on YouTube. Two thumbs up. Why is this not on DVD? I need to give it to my children, but I can't. Anyway, that's my thing. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, well, I'm officially scarred for life now. Yay! That was the goal. Thank See, it's a much. very special episode. A very special episode is one where we can scar Kate for life. Yep. To be fair, I don't think anything quite compares to this book. It is... Uh, Oh, but you know what uh, the tattoo I would have if I had a Oh, yeah, tattoo? what would you do to the tattoo? It would be the cat. The ferret Which cat. Which one, though? There's a couple carrot ferret cats. Carrot fats? There's a couple <laughs> carrot fats. Which one would you prefer? You know, I kind of like the first one on the very the first The one where page. it's like stretching with its weirdly elongated Ooh. body. Yeah, with the no neck. Kind of a rat face, honestly. Yeah. Like a mouse or something. It's a rat ferret cat. It has no whiskers. Ferret. What kind of cat has no whiskers? Ferret rat cat. Ferret rat cat. <laughs> Ferret Rat Cat sounds like a name of Someone a villain. Someone wrote me a book called Ferret Rat Cat. Yeah. Look out. It's Ferret Rat Cat. You don't want to mess with him. And you don't want to mess with this book. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse 8. That's Fuse and 8. E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givenskime, and our chief intranet orchestrator is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.